If we obey the great commandment, we have confidence before God. Now that's a simple statement to make, but one that many people don't fully understand. Obedience to God changes who and what we are, totally and completely. Faith in deliberate confidence in God will give us a character that we need. Confidence is something that we get when we know our relationship is correct. The character of God tells us, in a realistic way, who God is and what He demands of us. And as we conform to His image and become like Him and obey Him, we change. We become the people God wants us to be. That confidence many times does not reside in the average Christian. It's not because they're, they can't access it, it's not available. It's because they're not willing to set aside their sin and those things that would hinder them and embrace His truth to really understand who and what He is. And, and if Scripture says, and I can say this plainly, it's time for us to do that. The world that we live in, the darkness and sin in the world is getting darker. It's getting deeper. It's revealing itself. It's no longer hiding. And we as Christians need to be bold as we've never been before. We need to let people know what we represent and stand for. We don't need to be passive. We don't need to back away. Because at stake are literally millions of souls. We're standing in the gap. Trying to decide what is right for them. And if no one appeals to them on behalf of Christ as their Savior, they will never find that. We are the voice of hope. We are the words of salvation. We are the lives that will change them. And if we are complacent or quiet, they will die. There was a time when the church didn't want to discuss hell and damnation. We felt that those were harsh, unkind words. But just like the individual standing on the side of the road that sees a child haphazardly step out into traffic, and we reach out and grab that child and rescue them from sudden death, in the same way we must step outside our comfort zones and speak truth to a world that is facing the reality that the end is near for all of us. One of the things that I often struggle with is the fact that as I get older, I wonder what happened with time. Do you ever do that? Do you ever say, when did I get this old? I don't remember, you know, these years of my life or this decade or when, when my children were smaller. It all seemed to go by in a blur. Well, life passes quickly for all of us. And what we do in the now influences the forever. And God anticipates that. He gives to us the grace to make a difference. And He expects us to do that. Part of our growth, part of our maturity, is seeing to it that those that we know and that we love understand who Christ is and how to embrace His salvation. The world is in a mess. The more I look at it and the more I watch it, the more frightened I am for the future and the more terrified I am for my grandchildren. And I realize the importance of what we all must do. Faith gives us this confidence to do what we need to do. And I want to think this morning about how we go about that and how we do it. The first way is simple. 
God's plans must supersede our emotions. We're all emotional people. We are all influenced by different things, whether we're looking at a newborn baby in a cradle that, that we, we love or we're watching a ball game that we're afraid to lose. We all have emotions, and we get wound up. But the reality is God gives us a passion for that which is right, and we must understand, even though emotionally we may not feel equipped to make a difference, God's plans must be more important than that. They must absolutely persuade us to reach out to those who are lost and who are hurting. God demands that and he expects that. In his memoirs, George B. McClellan, when he was commissioned as Major General of the, of the Northern Forces in the Army, told his wife in a letter that he wrote to her, he said, I don't feel any different than I did yesterday. Indeed, I have not yet put on my uniform that I was commissioned for. I am sure that I am in command of the Union Army. However, because President Lincoln's order to that effect now lies before me, I realize it. He had not stepped into that role. He had not begun that. And he suddenly realized it's important not only that you understand what you're called to do, but that you begin to do it. Many people revel in the fact that they've reached a position or status in life. But at some point you realize there are demands placed upon you. As a Christian, you're expected to serve your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Salvation is free. But we are commanded and within we are expected to make a difference in the world around us. You do not get a ticket and hide it. You do not receive a calling and avoid it. You do not have the opportunity of being blessed with a position to serve and then refuse to serve. And yet many times as Christians, we do that. We can make excuses not to go. I believe the greatest excuse not to come to church has been the reality that many people have been out of church for so long. And if I could produce an elixir or an ointment to give to somebody to make them suddenly realize, oh, I need to be back in church. It's gotten to the point where now if I go shopping, if I end up in Walmart or Winn-Dixie and I see somebody avoiding me, I know it's somebody that hasn't been back at church and they haven't really found a good reason to give the preacher why they're not there. So they avoid me. Your being in church has nothing to do with me or anybody else. It has to do with you and God. You cannot worship without being gathered together. God said, forsake not the assembling together of yourselves. Standing on the outside looking in does not mean you've assembled. Yes, you can listen to worship here. You can even watch it live streaming. But there's something that's greatly missed when you're not here. And it's you, the body of Christ. I'll put it this way, and one of my favorite writers, Max Lucado, put it this way not long ago in an article he wrote to a church. 
He said, if you woke up in the morning and three of your toes decided not to work and your left eye decided not to get active and your spinal column said, I'm, I'm just not ready for the day, how would it deter your serving and doing what you must do and how would it hinder your day? Yet in the same way, part of the body of Christ has not returned to worship. And it's time. It's time. I'm not looking for a full church. I'm looking for an obedient church. And that's exactly what God is looking for. And God expects us to understand the importance of that. He's placed a calling on each and every one of us. Everyone in this room at some point felt the urging of the Spirit of God calling you to repent and to embrace salvation. You were given the Holy Spirit within you, and through the Holy Spirit, you are convicted of so many different things. One of those things is to come together and to worship. I wish that everyone in this church could go with me as over the years I've visited folks that are in the nursing home that know that their life has changed forever. That they've taken a 180 degree uh, turn away from everything they were comfortable with. And one of the things that I often hear from them, and not so long ago with one of our dear friends, Bob Owen, who would be sitting right back there next to Harriet if he were in the choir, he said, Pastor, I dream about being back in church. With tears in his eyes, he said, I miss it so much. He sang in this choir for over 50 years. He said, I can't tell you how much I would give all that I have to be back there. And he said, I want to be back there. And yet, there are many people who there's nothing hindering them from being here. And yet their absence is recognized in so many ways. It's important for us to gather together to worship. As sad and as frustrating as this time of the pandemic has been, and as frightening as it's been to those that have lost lives and have gone through sadnesses, the reality is there's a time for everything, and the pandemic is receding. And it's time for us to come together and to worship. God expects us to do that. He anticipates us and lets us know the importance of that. You know, John says in this passage, he says, God is greater than our feelings. And whatever holds us back, we must be obedient. And that is so true. And it's time for us to gather together as a church and fulfill our destiny. Our community needs that. Our world needs that. They, a strong church, an abiding church, a faithful church, an obedient church, a praying church changes the world they're in. And it's time for us to do that. 1 Corinthians, and I love this passage, chapter 4, verses 3 through 5, and the New Living Translation says this, As for me, it matters very little how I might be evaluated by you or by any human authority. I, I don't even trust my own judgment on this point, but says my conscience is clear. But that doesn't prove I'm right. It is the Lord Himself who will examine me and decide how I fulfill my calling. So don't make judgments about anyone ahead of that time before the Lord returns. Be faithful to serve and be there 
to make a difference. I love that. God has called us to make a difference. We are the body of Christ, and the body has to be together to make that difference. And it's so important. Those of you that are sitting here before me, I commend you for your faithfulness. I look at some of you, and I know the sacrifices you've made to be here. I know the conditions that you're dealing with and the frustrations and the anxieties, but also know this, that you understand that obedience matters. Paul is making it clear that judgment is is not just executed by humans. When you're obedient to God, it's not just that you look down at a list and you say, oh, I'm supposed to do that, let me do it. No, it's not that at all. It's about the Holy Spirit as your guide helping you to make that decision. And you're wanting to be literally conformed to the image of Christ by being obedient. A man said to his pastor one day, I'm a miserable sinner and there's no help available for me. I've prayed to God and I've tried to be good and I've tried to do right, but I always seem to fail. And his pastor asked him, said, do you believe in the life, the death, and the resurrection of God's Son, Jesus Christ? He said, of course I do. He said, if Jesus came and stood right before you right now at this very moment, what would you say to him? And he said, oh, I would tell him I'm a sinner and that I need his salvation and I accept it. And he said, that's exactly what you should do. And he said, and beyond that, what would you do? And he said, I'm not sure. And he said, well, let me give you an assurance. Once you obey God and you hear Him and you say yes, it demands a response from you. He said, don't just say, I'm a sinner and you save me. Say this, I want to follow you and be obedient to you. I want to walk in your statutes in your truth. I want to be changed. And the minister said to him, that is when you'll find the peace and the tranquility of Christ. And you won't be in such a turmoil within. Condemnation will not overcome you. I know life is hard. And especially during this pandemic, it's been very difficult. Romans 8, 1 and 2 says, For now there is no condemnation to those who belong to Christ Jesus. If you belong to Him, be faithful to Him and be obedient to Him. Because God is greater than than any experience, even our emotions. Secondly, realize this, that through prayer we are confident in God's purposes. Come to God with a bold confidence and trust Him. Know that, know that He will be there. It's not that you're trusting in Him. Your trust is, is giving you what you need. No. You are focusing on the one that can give you what you need. You're acknowledging and recognizing that. It's good to have medicine. When you're sick, you need it. I've got a cabinet at home that I keep certain medicines in that that I will use. And and the other day, I needed some Benadryl. I don't use Benadryl about once every decade. Thankfully, I don't need it, but I needed some. I didn't know what I was allergic to, but something was, was, was affecting me, and I needed it. And in my mind, I kept saying, oh, I don't have any Benadryl in there. And I kept trying to remind myself every time I went out, I need to go by the store and pick up some Benadryl. 
I got home, and it was late, and it was raining, and I began, I, I said, Lord, why is it I keep forgetting this? For two days now, I wanted to remember that. And it was almost like God leaned into my face and said, why don't you go and look? And I went to the cabinet and looked, and guess what was there, Harriet? A box of Benadryl that I never even opened. It had been there waiting on me. And, and I did, that time, remember to take some. And it worked. Now, here's the reality. Everything you need as a Christian is there. Everything. God did not leave you lacking of anything. But will you be willing to go to Him and access that as you need it? Will you trust Him to do that? And that's why I say to you, through prayer, we are confident in God's purposes. Prayer connects us to Him in a way that nothing else does. It gives us a relationship that we need to understand. It, 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 it's solid. We don't doubt when we pray. We are reminded that we are weak and frail. I've got a picture in my mind that will never leave me from when I was very young. And you remember the picture if you're my age or older. The picture of the first time cameras went into the Oval Office, the White House at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. John Fitzgerald Kennedy was the president. And as they panned the Oval Office and the beauty of it, which many of us had never really seen before that, especially not live, and as the camera went along, there was two creatures crawling in front of the resolute desk. You remember, it was John John and Carolyn. I'll never forget that. There was something that, that was just so out of place, yet so wonderful, that in this place where... The, the head of the free world sat at his control desk, so to speak, and made decisions that affected almost everyone. There was within that room the reality of those two little lives there, John and Carolyn. Now, some people saw that as out of place. Some commentators and editorialists criticized it. But the reality is, before John Fitzgerald Kennedy was ever president, he was the daddy. And he echoed many times that he felt his role as a father was more significant than his role as a president. And he was a good father. But the reality is this, when we have a relationship with God, we don't go in to see this obscure, obtuse ruler that's distant from us. We go in to see, as He told us to pray, Abba, Father, Daddy. That gives us confidence. We've got to understand the importance of that in our lives today. We're not praying to a stranger. We're not praying to someone that is angry at us. In fact, the reality is, when we pray to God, we're praying to the one person that does not remember our sins. For He said He's forgotten our sins because they've been forgiven. Our sins are covered in the blood of Jesus and they no longer matter because we are set free to serve. Yet many of us allow Satan to burden us with sin, to lay it on us over and over and over again and render us useless. 
frustrated with life, sort of like I was the other day before I found the Benadryl that had been there all along. It's amazing that in this passage, John's readers knew Christ's commands and, and contest themselves by them, but many of them stood back and waited. They wouldn't make that move. John 15, 7 tells us, but if you stay joined to me and my words remain in you, you may ask anything, anything, and it will be granted. Now, some people outside the faith read that, and they think that's some magic potion. You recite these words, and you get what you want. No, that's, that's not what it's about at all. When you're at perfect peace with God, when you've been forgiven, when you have the Holy Spirit within you guiding you, and your heart really changes... What you want is what He wants. And if you desire something, ask Him, and you'll give it. He loves us that way. But in your heart of hearts, as you conform to the image of Christ, you're, you're going to ask for the things that you need, the things that will change you and change those around about you. When a believer is remaining in Christ, and Christ's words are remaining in that believer, those prayers are answered. A part of the confidence we have in prayer has to do with obedience. You can be with somebody so long, either in their employ or within their circle of friendship or in the family, that you understand how they think. And you can make choices for them because you know their character and their nature. It's the same way with Christ as we walk with Him. When we understand what God represents, we suddenly know what is right and what is wrong. The Holy Spirit speaks to us confidently about what we should do. But lastly, realize this, our confidence comes from obeying Him, always. If you have an uncomfortable relationship with God, it's not His fault, it's yours. You do realize that. If you obey God's commands, you're going to have that peace in your life. You're going to feel the unity of the Spirit. You're going to be drawn together with the body of Christ. You're going to miss being together as the family of God. It matters. There's so many people that I miss that need to be back in this church. People that are struggling with fears that are unfounded and frustrations that are unimportant. And we need to love them back in the church. Look around you right now. If you've got a pen or a pencil, write down the name of someone you see their seat is empty. Write their name down. And ask God to guide you in this week to call them up and, and, and tell them how much they're missed. I've always heard this said, and it, it came from many years ago, from a pastor in a church where I served, where I felt so blessed to be a deacon. The pastor said, I will lead this church by two simple rules. I will remember that people go where they're wanted, and they stay where they're treated right. Well, let's look at that first rule. People go where they're wanted. Call someone up. Visit someone this week and say, you're missed. We want you back. It's time. Life gets busy. 
And people get caught up in what's going on. And, and, and when there's a vacuum in our life, it, it's usually occupied by something else. And each and every one of you that, that was away for a period of time, you had to make a choice to come back. Now be obedient to help someone else follow in that line. Our confidence comes from obeying God. When we obey His commands, it makes a difference. It changes us. It causes us to be the people that we should be. A long time ago in Bavaria, there was a ruler by the name of King Henry III. I've got a very beautiful print that hangs in my study at home that was done by the great woodcutter Doré. And it's the prayer of Henry III, as he was seeking God's will for his life. He had a burden on his heart as the monarch that ruled this great country. And he struggled with the fact that he felt called of God to serve in a greater way. And he went to, to Prior Richard at the monastery there, and he said, I feel a burden that I'm not doing what I should do for God, and I want to surrender to that, and I, I want to spend the rest of my life serving Him and Prior Richard could have very easily said, oh, we've got a place for you in this monastery. And he would have had one of the most famous monarchs that ever lived in Europe residing there. He would have gotten untold amount of, amounts of money and attention to have him there. But in his wisdom as a Christian, Prior Richard said this. He said, do you understand that the pledge here for you is one of obedience? And he said, yes, I do. And he said, and, and Henry III said, that will be hard because I'm king. And the prior said this. He said, the rest of your life, you need to be in obedience to Christ. Go back to your throne and rule as a man who loves God and obeys Him. That is your place. Those, no doubt, were difficult words. But Prior Richard guided him back to the throne, and they said that the rest of his time as a monarch was bless the country and all who were impacted by it. When King Henry died, a statement was written about him. It said, the king learned to rule by being obedient to God. And he was one of the first rulers that on his sarcophagus where he was buried, they had the crown over the top of it, and underneath it, it had the letters F.D., which stood for Fideus Defensor, or Defender of the Faith. Because they realized that he was not just a physical ruler, but he defended the faith by being obedient to the true King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Dear people, that's what we're called to do today. That's why we're here. You're here not just to take up time, not just because it was convenient, because certainly it's never convenient to come to church. You have to make decisions to do that. But you're here because you love God and you want to be obedient to Him. May you follow Him in obedience in this week. And may you change our community 
because there are active influences of evil in this world that have decided it's time to destroy all that is God's. And it's time for God's people, the defenders of the faith, to become strong and to speak out. This is your time. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for all that is good and holy. And I thank you that you guide us in all good things. And I ask that you would speak to us even now as we are preparing to go into a week full of opportunity, but also full of questions. For we don't know what the future holds, Lord. And very often from day to day in America, we're not sure what's happening. But we know there's one constant that we can be confident of, and that's you. And therefore, I ask that your Holy Spirit would go with us as we leave this place, and that we can set the standard that must be set for the world to abide by. For there's absolute and total confusion everywhere else. Father, I pray that you would give us that courage and that strength even now as we're obedient to you. And I pray that your spirit would speak to someone this morning who's struggling with a decision in their life. A decision to be obedient and answer the call of salvation. They realize they're lost and they know that they just need to give their heart to you. They need to repent and they need to come to you and have that relationship. And Lord, if, if that's the condition of someone here in this room, I pray that today would be the day of salvation for them. And Lord, if there's someone that has another decision to make, whether it be to come and join the church or be baptized or, or just simply come forward and kneel and pray and say, Lord, I want my week to be a week blessed and I want to be a blessing to others. I pray that they'd be obedient and come forward even now. Father, speak to us as only your Holy Spirit can and guide us in what we should do even now. For we trust you and we pray this in your holy name. Amen.